Reading from the prophet Hosea. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri, in the days of King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, and in the days of King Jeroboam, son of Joash of Israel. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name her Jezreel. Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore him a daughter. Then the Lord said to him, Name her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them. But I will have pity on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In case all you were thinking as I read from Hosea was, thank goodness I'm not having to pronounce those names. Let me set the stage for you. Once again, Israel has been unfaithful to God. Once again, the people of Israel have committed idolatry. Once again, a foreign army is knocking at their door and destruction looms. And once again, God is ready to make a point. Like a father whose child has run into the street too many times, left toys all over the house too many times, broken curfew too many times, driven the car too quickly too many times, God is ready to make a point. The deal has always been clear. Since the time of Abraham, the deal has been announced. The agreement was that God would continually provide descendants, that God would take care of them, that God would be their God if they would simply be his people, if they would honor this one God alone. But time and again, there were shiny gods, golden gods, nature gods, fertility gods. Some gods were fun to serve, and some were just insurance policies. Time and again, God asked for singular devotion, and time and again, Israel's devotion was short-lived. At some point, the father has to say, I've warned you enough. The toys will be given away. The car keys will be taken away. You have got to learn. In the book of Joshua, there's a crystallizing story. 
God tells Joshua that he will give Jericho over to the Israelite army, that they will win, that the victory will come, but the victory will come with expectations. God commands the army to take no personal spoils from the defeat, that everything in Jericho is either to be destroyed or to be put into the treasury, no matter how tempting it may be. No individual is to take anything for himself. You know where this is headed. It's Adam and Eve all over again. It's your children and mine. It's you and me. God said clearly what not to do. Joshua related it clearly to the army. But Achan did what he wanted to. He took just a few things, and it was noticed. After leaving Jericho, the Israelite army went on to the next place, to Ai, for their next battle. It was to be a sure victory. They'd done the numbers. They'd done their research. They knew that they had this battle, hands down, no sweat. And yet they were soundly defeated. Akan's disobedience cost Israel the battle and it cost many men's lives. The consequence for Akan was his life. Having disobeyed God and brought this trouble on Israel, the army stoned him to death and they renamed the place the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble. The Old Testament is full of stories like this, where disobedience leads to destruction, where there are consequences for actions. It shouldn't surprise us. We know this to be true. The consequences in our lives may feel more like toys being taken away or the car keys being given back. But there are times when the costs are very real. Times when our bad decisions, our disobedience costs us our jobs or our savings or our marriages. Now, I want you to hear me clearly. We've had too many painful diagnoses lately. Make no mistake. Not every bad thing that happens comes from bad things we've done. There are many bad things that happen that are not our fault and that are not caused by God. Sometimes bad things just happen. Hear that. And also hear this. There are bad consequences that come from bad choices. It happens, too. And could there be any worse consequence than God disowning us? The prophet Hosea's life was used as a metaphor for God's relationship with Israel. God commands Hosea to marry Gomer, a prostitute, and then tells him what to name her children. Hosea names them. The offspring of her unfaithfulness. He names them Jezreel, Lo-Ruchamah, and Lo-Ami. Jezreel, or God sows. 
as in God will sow destruction into the people of Israel. Lo ruhamah, or not pitied, as in God will not pity Israel. And lo ami, not my people. Or as God explains, you are not my people and I am not your God. Is there any worse consequence than being disowned by God? In chapter 2, we learn how things will go for Gomer, for Israel, the pains of punishment. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. And I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her shame in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. I will put an end to all her mirth, her festivals, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her appointed festivals. I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my pay, which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the wild animals shall devour them. I will punish her for the festival days of the Baals, when she offered incense to them, and decked herself with her ring and jewelry, and went after lovers, and forgot me, says the Lord. Gomer has humiliated Hosea. She's paraded around with other men. She's had children by other men. She's abandoned him. She's made it known that the only reason she went back to him was because her life was made better when she was with him. She does not return out of love. She returns because Hosea is a resource and she opportunistic. This is not the marriage anyone would want. And it's certainly not the metaphor that we would want God using for our relationship with Him. And yet this is what God has experienced with His people. This is how God has been shamed by His people. God has been humiliated and scorned and used by a disobedient, unfaithful, selfish lot. And there are consequences for that. You've heard them read. Now hear what comes after the consequences. Therefore, I will now allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she shall respond as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. On that day, says the Lord, she will call me my husband. What? God has been scorned and rejected, treated as though Israel were a prostitute. She's been punished. But now God will pursue her. What? There are consequences for her actions, but they are not eternal. What? 
God will speak tenderly to Israel. God will turn this valley of Achor, this valley of trouble, the very symbol of disobedience into a door of hope. God will reclaim and redeem a place like that. What kind of God is this? I have parents of adult children come to me weeping sometimes. Telling me the pain of trying to figure out how to not enable their children who are having terrible times, making terrible decisions. How do we not enable them and yet not abandon them, they ask. Those are hard conversations. Because there are sometimes situations where healing can only come after the person hits the bottom. But none of us wants the person to have to go through what it takes to hit the bottom. It's a painful, desperate kind of love that understands that sometimes a healthy future requires heartache now. As parents are tortured... Because their love is so incredibly strong. It is incredibly difficult to know what is the most gracious way to show love when their children seem bent on self-destruction. We learn in Hosea that even when Israel was out chasing other gods, when they seemed bent on self-destruction, when for their own good it appeared as though God had let them go, it was God who provided the grain and the wine and the oil that they needed to survive. We read in Hosea, when Israel was giving herself to Baal, when Gomer was cheating on Hosea, even in those moments, without her knowledge, it was God who was healing her. While Israel, God's child, was going after any God that glittered, their true God, the Father, was holding her in His arms, teaching her to walk, lifting her to His cheek, bending down to feed her. She had no idea what God was up to, but like a loving parent, the Father continued to provide mercy and grace. The mercy and grace included giving Israel the consequences she needed in order to become healthy. Whether Israel knew it or not, God never stopped loving her. I ended the third reading at that horrible verse. You are not my people, and I am not your God. Here's the next verse. Yet. You are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet, the number of people in Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And the place where it was said, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living 
God. This is who our Father is. We may frustrate Him, disobey Him. We may be completely unfaithful to Him. We may drive our Father to the point of saying, Name them, lo, ah, me, for they are not my people. But when it comes down to it, our God says, How can I give them up? How can I hand them over? My heart recoils in me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy you. I will not come in wrath. You are children of the living God. To finish the story, God sent Hosea to buy Gomer back. As humiliating as it was, As costly as it was, God sent Hosea to buy his unfaithful wife back. Unfaithfulness wasn't just an Israelite problem. It's our problem too. And being bought back is, as it always has been, a very costly thing. We grew so distant from the Father that He was willing to send His Son. As humiliating and costly as that would ultimately be, the Father sent His Son so that we would know that we are still children of the Heavenly Father. That whatever idols we've bowed down to, whatever disobedience we have committed, our Father is compassionate. And will not give up on us. The Father like that. Ours is not to live in fear of wrath. Ours is to live in joyful obedience as a response to His love and mercy. Ours is to live lives that celebrate and honor being children of the Heavenly Father. Thanks be to God. Amen.